Hi YouTube, it's Joshua Mouse and welcome back to my channel. Today's video is yet another case in my Curious Case series. But before we go any further, I'd just like to give a massive thank you to NowTV for partnering up with me to make this video today. Now, if you follow me on Instagram, you will have seen me talk about NowTV before and what they're celebrating. They've recently just launched a brand new Sky Crime channel over on their service and on Sky, which is a channel dedicated to high quality, premium, true crime content and documentaries. Like I said, I spoke about them on my Instagram stories a few weeks ago and I've been absolutely obsessed ever since. I just can't stop watching. I think I've watched every single um, documentary they have on Sky Crime uh, at the moment, but they're launching brand new content all the time. Sky Crime is the home of honestly the best true crime documentaries you can watch. All of them hand curated from the likes of documentary creators such as Oxygen, HBO, Jupiter and Woodcuts. Sky Crime launched on Now TV and Sky on the 1st of October, which means that right now you can jump over to Now TV and start binge watching your favorite true crime documentaries. I'm sure you've all seen and heard of Now TV before because honestly, in my opinion, they are the future of television. It's got a range of box sets, movies, sports, kids entertainment, TV shows, and even reality TV shows. You can pick from different content passes to make sure you're only paying for the content you want to watch. They have entertainment passes, Sky Cinema, Sky Sports, a kids pass, and a reality TV show pass with Hey You. You can stream all the content on demand through the Now TV app, which you can find on your tablet, phone, TV, games, consoles. It's, it's literally everywhere. Now TV works hard to ensure that they're posting the most premium content to their platform. And best of all, Now TV is on a month-to-month -month basis, so there's no contract. Sky Crime is a available with Now TV's Entertainment Pass for just £8.99 a month. And as I said, Now TV has worked with me to bring you this video today to talk about the case of Garrett Phillips. And we're going to be talking about this case today to celebrate the launch of HBO's critically acclaimed documentary, Who Killed Garrett Phillips, which is airing on Now TV right now, the same day that this video is going up. I super advise that after you've done watching this video, you jump over to Now TV and watch the two part documentary. It goes into a lot of detail and I'd be really, really interested in knowing after you've watched the documentary, your thoughts and opinions on this case. Um, just come back and leave comments down below and I'll be responding to first comments. Uh, for the first couple of days that this video is live. I'd just like to point out this video has not been made to cause disrespect or anything like that. It's just been made to spread awareness about this case by compiling information from various different public sources on the internet. Any theories discussed in, these, in this video is just a theory. It is not fact. It shouldn't be taken as such. And anything discussed in this video does not necessarily re represent the views of myself, Now TV, any of the police investigators or anybody involved in this case. And with all that being said, let's delve right into this case. Garrett Phillips was born on the 13th of August, 1999, in the town of Potsdam, New York, 
United States. Now, what's interesting about Potsdam is just how upstate it's situated, with the nearest city actually being in Canada across the border rather than being in the US. It's about a seven-hour drive north of New York and is quite far removed from the hustle and bustle of such a busy city. Now, according to the 2000 census of the town, there were 15,957 people living there, with just 9,600 of that population being residents and not students at the local university. Almost 90% of that population are white, with just 1.59% being black, and the remainder being from other racial backgrounds. Now, I haven't just told you these racial makeup statistics just for fun. They actually come in quite important later on in this case, especially when you think about the high percentage of white people versus the incredibly low percentage of black people in the city, in the town, sorry, and the potential racism that could stem from that. Predominantly, Potsdam's population was white. And it was in this town that, as I said, Garrett Phillips was born in August of 1999 to his parents, Robbie Phillips and Tandy Cyrus. Now, Garrett, on all accounts, had a fairly regular upbringing, despite the fact that at just the age of three, he suffered a tragic loss of his father after his father passed away, I believe, due to cancer. But just before Robbie, Garrett's father, passed away, the young family actually had a second child, a young boy, Garrett's younger brother. Garrett's younger brother's name isn't particularly relevant in this case, so I'm just not going to discuss it. I'm just going to refer to him as Garrett's younger brother just for identity protection. Like in all my videos, if somebody's identity isn't particularly relevant in the context of a case, I won't disclose it just to, uh, to respect their privacy. Now, Garrett absolutely loved the outdoors. He loved going to camp, fishing, and hunting, and was, as you can imagine, very, very active in the sports teams at his school and in the sports in his local area. He attended the AA Kingston Middle School, which was situated in Potsdam, and by the sixth grade he was playing football, soccer, hockey, basketball, and lacrosse. I'm unsure whether he was on teams for all of those sports, but we know that he did actively play all those sports, whether that's for fun or whether that was competitively. Garrett also absolutely loved his skateboard and he would ride his skateboard everywhere. Now, there wasn't actually that much to do in Potsdam. It was fairly plain as a town. There wasn't there, there wasn't anywhere that, that youngsters could go to to hang out. So everyone would just congregate at the local park where they would bring their skateboard and skate and just generally hang out. Everyone would congregate in big groups. Everything was going really, really well for Garrett. He had good grades and a bright future ahead of him with the possibility of even a scholarship due to his sportsmanship. That was until Monday the 24th of October 2011, when a half an hour period in the evening of that Monday would change the lives of not just the Phillips family, but the entire community of Potsdam forever. A CCTV camera pointed at the car park of the middle school that Garrett attended captured at 4.52pm on that fateful Monday evening, Garrett leaving the school on his skateboard 
and heading home. Garrett had actually spoken to his mother shortly before leaving uh, the school uh, as he had just finished his basketball game and his mother had told him to go straight home and start on his homework. Garrett's mother and Garrett's younger brother were both not at home at this time. They were out somewhere else. Half an hour after being seen on this CCTV leaving the school at 5.33 p.m., 12-year-old Garrett Phillips would be found unconscious in his apartment. He had been strangled and suffocated. He was immediately rushed to hospital where unfortunately he was pronounced dead just under two hours later at 7.18 p.m. What happened to Garrett Phillips when he got home that evening? Who had done this to Garrett? And more importantly, where had the person that had done this gone? Garrett's apartment, which he shared with his mother and his little brother, was situated on the second floor of his apartment building, which for you British people out there was the first floor. And when the police officer who responded to the initial police calls got to the scene and got into Garrett's apartment and found Garrett unconscious, they didn't find anybody else inside the apartment. The police had arrived on the scene due to a phone call being placed by the neighbors to the flat, who at, at about 5.06 p.m. had heard some movement in the flat next to them before hearing a loud crash. Following that loud crash, they heard what sounded like a young boy crying out in terror, help. The flat then fell silent and the neighbors decided that they would go and knock on the door to the flat to see if everything was all right. But when they knocked on the door, instead of whoever was inside opening the door, they heard the lock turn as if someone was locking the door shut from the inside. This raised many red flags for the neighbors who immediately phoned the police and that call came into the police at 5.08 p.m. Thankfully, the police were very quick to arrive on scene with the first responding officer getting to scene at 5.12 p.m. However, after the officer had knocked on the door and announced he was a police officer, the officer reports having heard scuffling inside the apartment as if somebody was moving around but was not answering his calls. The police managed to get a hold of the landlord who possessed a key to get into the flat, who came as quickly as he could to the building to unlock the door so they could make sure everything was okay. And that was when at 5 33pm, the responding police officer and the landlord gained entry into the flat and discovered Garrett unconscious. When further officers arrived on the scene, they noticed that the blinds in one of the windows in the flat had actually been bent outwards, and below the second floor window, investigators found a broken tile consistent with a break that would occur if someone were to jump from the window. They also found marks in the grass that indicated someone had left in a hurry, slipping in the mud. However, when forensics arrived on the scene, they were unable to recover much forensic evidence at all. And in a tale of an alleged love triangle and systematic racism, the investigation that would ensue would become the talking point of everybody in the local community across the state of New York and across the entire country. When Tandy Cyrus, Garrett's mother, was initially 
initially interviewed by the police. She was asked whether she knew of anybody who could have done this to her 12-year-old son. And Tandy immediately pointed her finger towards her ex-boyfriend, 37-year-old Nick Hillary, who she had been in a relationship with for over a year, and who allegedly had constantly butted heads with Garrett before their separation. Now, Nick had been born and grew up in a large family in Jamaica before he moved to the United States. And he actually served in the US Army as a young man before I believe he decided to attend St. Lawrence University, which was in the village of Canton, about a 17 minute drive away from Potsdam where Garrett lived. And at this college, Nick became very successful in his passion for soccer. He joins the college team and became notoriously known on the field as the general. After an impressive career playing on the team, Nick went on to work as the head coach for the men's soccer team at Clarkson University, which was situated in Potsdam. It was only a few years before Garrett's murder that Nick had frequented a local bar and had gotten talking to a bartender at that bar. And that bartender would turn out to be Tandy Cyrus. Garrett's mother. Nick and Tandy quickly began dating and before long they had found a house and they had moved in together bringing their kids with them. Tandy had two boys from her previous relationship and Nick actually had three children and on all accounts all the children got on really well and they were all moved into the house that uh, Tandy and uh, Nick shared and they all lived together pretty much in harmony. But it seems that Nick according to some sources and Tandy had differing approaches to parenting. Nick had a regimented background, with not just experience serving in the military, but also with heavily scheduled soccer practices and games. It's common for a coach to train his team in a regimented fashion, just like a general would his soldiers in his troop. And according to some sources, Nick brought this regimented approach into his parenting. He apparently had a plan for every single day. And according to some sources, Nick's idea of successful parenting was having the kids under complete control. Nick allegedly told this to Tandy, telling her, if you don't get Garrett under control or get him on a more strict schedule, then when he gets older, you won't be able to control him. And it was because of this outlook that Garrett and Nick had allegedly butted heads. And upon hearing Hearing this, the investigators in this case from the offset um, suspected Nick Hillary and the investigators actually from the offset seem completely concretely set on Nick Hillary being the culprit um, and guilty in this case despite the continuous lack of evidence. Now we've got to note that there were reports of other kids being involved in Garrett's death including reports that there was a challenge going around where kids would choke hold each other and see who could last the longest before passing out. A very, very dangerous game, as you can imagine, but a game that could ultimately end up with a child passing away due to suffocation. A game that could very easily go wrong. There was even suspicions of autoerotic asphyxiation, and that was due to the fact that a bra had actually been found near to um, Garrett's body. However, none of these theories or hypotheses or anything 
leads at all were taken seriously by the police. They didn't investigate them or follow them up or anything like that. The police were set on the fact that Nick Hillary was the killer and that was that. There was nothing more to it. They just had to find the evidence to put it on and pin it on Nick and charge him, prosecute him, and then move on. Nick continuously denies to this day him having any involvement in Garrett's death, and he was actually quite shocked and upset to learn that he'd been allegedly accused of butting heads with Garrett. Apparently that was completely false, and he got on quite well with Garrett. Now, interestingly, Tandy had actually been dating a sheriff's deputy, and apparently Tandy had started hanging out with the sheriff's deputy more often after separating from Nick. However, Tandy continued to hang out and meet up with Nick despite this. Now, some theorists actually point the finger not at Nick, but actually at this sheriff deputy who perhaps found out that Tandy was hanging around with this with with Nick who was a black man and saw that Nick was seeing the love of this deputy's life and decided to take revenge on him or on the other hand perhaps Nick discovered that Tandy had started seeing the sheriff's deputy and decided to take revenge on her by getting rid of Garrett or punishing Garrett. The documentary Who Killed Garrett Phillips delves so deep into this love triangle. I super, super advise you conduct your own research and you watch this two-part documentary because it contains so much information that I haven't actually seen anywhere on the internet in any YouTubers videos covering this. The documentary also delves deep into the direct aftermath of the investigation, including the CCTV footage of Garrett leaving the school, footage from the initial witness statements, and interviews with everyone involved in the case. Despite being dead set on Nick being the killer in this case, there was literally no forensic evidence to link him at all. According to some sources, fingerprints were actually found at the scene, I believe, on the window. Um, however, when these were compared to Nick Hillary's, they were not a match. It didn't match with his fingers. DNA was also found underneath the fingernails of Garrett, who would likely have clawed at his attacker. Um, and when this DNA was sent off, it was actually sent off to three different um, DNA testing laboratories. And every time this DNA sample was sent off uh, to be compared to Nick Hillary's DNA, it came back as either it wasn't his DNA, the DNA sample was too deteriorated, no tissue or hair was found at the crime scene either, which could be linked to um, Nick Hillary. Garrett had been violently murdered in a very hands-on kind of attack and there was no forensic evidence to link Nick Hillary to the crime scene at all in such a violent attack. That really stands out to me. There's literally minimal evidence to place Nick Hillary at the crime scene at all, especially because DNA under the under Garrett's fingernails didn't match Nick's and the fingerprint on the window didn't match Nick's. Why were they still trying to chase up this theory that it was Nick who did this. But what did the police have on Nick? Where was he at the time of the attacks? Not long after CCTV cameras captured Garrett leaving the school on his skateboard, 
The CCTV also captured a vehicle matching the description of Nick Hillary's vehicle leaving the car park. The vehicle then turned left when leaving the car park, which was in the direction of the Phillips household, instead of turning right, which was the in the direction of Nick Hillary's house. Now, Nick actually confessed in his statement that this was his vehicle and he was driving it. But why was Nick Hillary in the school car park to begin with? Why was he there in the first place? Why did he leave suspiciously close after Garrett Phillips left the car park? And why did he turn left towards away, going away from um, his own home and going, instead of going right towards his home? Nick told the investigators that he actually arrived home at around 5.55 p.m. and at home was his daughter. His daughter would quickly become a key witness in this case and she actually provided a concrete alibi for Nick, saying that he had come back home at the same time Nick had said and that he had left again at about 5.15 p.m. This would mean it would have been impossible for Nick to be responsible for Garrett's death as this alibi concretely places him at home. Now, when Nick was initially questioned the morning after Garrett's death, he was ordered to do a strip search. And they did this on the premise that whoever had done this to Garrett had jumped from this second story window and had probably sustained some kind of leg injury in doing so and they wanted to see whether um whether Nick had sustained a leg injury but it's strange because if you're seeing if someone has sustained a leg injury why are you asking them to do a strip search you can just ask them to take you know their trousers off and they can keep some dignity um because you just need to look at their legs you don't have to look you know anywhere else and photograph anywhere else, but they did do this. They photographed him completely in the nude. And during this strip search, the police actually found a wound on uh, Nick Hillary's ankle, um, which he claimed he had sustained when he was moving furniture in his home. Now, upon looking at the pictures from the documentary, the documentary does show the images from this strip search, um, you, you can see the wound and it is, it doesn't look if this was sustained the previous night, it doesn't look that fresh in my opinion, although I'm not a doctor or have any medical training, so perhaps it could um, have healed in this fashion. But to me, it doesn't seem as if, um, it doesn't seem like it was sustained the previous evening. The evidence against Nick is at best circumstantial and is completely hearsay. They had an ankle injury that they couldn't prove to have been sustained at the crime scene. They had no forensic evidence of Nick being at the crime scene of the evening before, with DNA evidence and the fingerprints actually pointing to somebody else being the perpetrator. They only had CCTV footage of Nick Hillary leaving the middle school car park and turning left instead of turning right. And they only had the fact that allegedly Nick and Garrett had constantly butted heads. The investigator's evidence against Nick was not strong enough for a prosecution at all. However, a newly elected district attorney whose campaign was primarily 
one, due to the fact that she had promised a conviction in this case, actually indicted Nick Hillary and brought him to trial five years after um, Garrett had been murdered. And this trial was actually not a trial by jury, it was a bench trial, which means that all the evidence and everything was presented to the judge and the judge would make the decision. The judge, after everything was presented to him, went away, deliberated for a week before coming back and giving his verdict. And the judge found Nick Hillary not guilty. According to the judge, the prosecution had not made its circumstantial case beyond reasonable doubt, which effectively means that the evidence was not strong enough to prosecute. This entire case is actually insane and tells a much bigger story of police incompetence, potential systematic racism. I haven't even scraped the surface. I super, super advise you head over to Now TV and watch the documentary on this case because as I say, it goes into so much more detail. I really, really wanna know what you think about this case and who you think killed Garrett Phillips. Who Killed Garrett Phillips is available to stream right now on Now TV with the Entertainment Pass. You can grab the Entertainment Pass for just £8.99 a month. There are so many other premium true crime documentaries documentaries on Sky Crime, including the amazing documentary I Love You Now Die, which discusses the case of Michelle Carter versus the Commonwealth. And I'm super, super excited to binge watch some of the new documentaries that Now TV and Sky Crime are putting on their service all the time. Thank you so much for watching this episode in my Curious Case series. Like this video if you found it interesting and leave a comment down below telling me what you thought about this case. I'll be doing an Instagram poll very soon for the next community voted case. So be sure to jump over to Instagram and follow me over there so that you can take part. Don't forget to subscribe to this channel if you want to see more true crime cases and hit that bell icon so you can be notified every single time that I post. My next video should be coming out next week. There should actually be two videos next week so keep your eyes peeled. Once again, thank you so much to Now TV for working with me to bring you this video. If you want to help support this channel, then you can go to my Patreon and donate um, as little as $1 up to $5 a month, just the price of a cup of coffee um, to help sustain this channel. You can do that over at patreon.com forward slash Joshua Miles. You also get access to videos one day early and other top secret live streams, case updates, and things like that. That. And with all that being said, I will see you in the next case. When now the time has